Section 9 of Exposition on the Book of Psalms, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lawrence Trask, Mount Vernon, Ohio, InterfaceAudio.com. Expositions on the Book of Psalms, Volume 2, by St. Augustine of Hippo psalm thirty eight part two nine verse five my wounds stink and are corrupt now he who has wounds is not perfectly sound add to this the wounds stink and are corrupt wherefore do they stink because they are corrupt now in what way this is explained in reference to human life who doth not understand let a man but have his soul's sense of smelling sound, he perceives how foully sins stink. The contrary to which stink of sin is that savour of which the apostle says, We are the sweet savour of Christ unto God, in every place, unto them which be saved. But whence is this, except from hope? Whence is this, but from our calling the Sabbath to remembrance? for it is a different thing that we mourn over in this life from that which we anticipate in the other that which we mourn over is stench that which we reckon upon is fragrance were there not therefore such a perfume as that to invite us we should never call the sabbath to remembrance but since by the spirit we have such a perfume as to say to our betrothed because of the savour of thy good ointments we will run after thee we turn our senses away from our own unsavouriness and turning ourselves to him we gain some little breathing time but indeed unless our evil deeds also did smell rank in our nostrils we should never confess with those groans my wounds stink and are corrupt and wherefore from the face of my foolishness from the same cause that he said before from the face of my sins from that same cause he now says from the face of my foolishness 10 verse 6 i am troubled i am bowed down even unto the end wherefore was he bowed down because he had been lifted up if thou art humble thou shalt be exalted if thou exaltest thyself thou shalt be bowed down for god will be at no loss to find a weight wherewith to bow thee down that weight shall be the burthen of thy sins that shall be redoubled upon thine head and thou shalt be bowed down now what does to be bowed down mean it is to be unable to lift oneself up such was the woman whom the lord found bowed down for eighteen years she could not lift herself up such are those who have their hearts set on the earth but indeed since that woman found out the lord and he healed her let her hear the words lift up your heart yet so far as she is bowed down she still groaneth for he is still bowed down who saith the corruptible body presseth down the soul and the earthly tabernacle weigheth down the mind that museth on many things let him groan on these things that he may receive the other 
let him call the sabbath to remembrance that he may deserve to arrive at it for that which the jews used to celebrate was but a sign of what thing was it the sign of that which he calls to remembrance who saith i am troubled and am bowed down even unto the end what is meant by even unto the end even to death i go mourning all the day long all day long that is without intermission by all the day long he means all my life long but from what time hath he known it from the time that he began to call the sabbath to remembrance for so long as he calls to remembrance what he no longer possesses wouldst thou not have him go mourning all the day long have i gone mourning eleven verse seven for my soul is filled with illusions and there is no soundness in my flesh where there is the whole man and there is soul and flesh both where there is the whole man there is soul and flesh both the soul is filled with illusions the flesh hath no soundness what does there remain that can give joy is it not meet that one should go mourning all the day long i have gone mourning let mourning be our portion until our soul be divested of its illusions and our body be clothed with soundness for true soundness is no other than immortality how great however are the soul's illusions were i even to attempt to express when would the time suffice me for whose soul is not subject to them there is a brief particular that i will remind you of to show how our soul is filled with illusions the presence of those illusions sometimes scarcely permits us to pray we know not how to think of material objects without images and such as we do not wish rush in upon the mind and we wish to go from this one to that and to quit that for another and sometimes you wish to return to that which you were thinking of before and to quit that which you are now thinking of and a fresh one presents itself to you you wish to call up again what you had forgotten and it does not occur to you and another comes instead which you would not have wished for where meanwhile was the one that you had forgotten for why did it afterwards occur to you when it had ceased to be sought after whereas while it was being sought after for innumerable others which were not desired presented themselves instead of it i have stated a fact briefly i have thrown out a kind of hint or suggestion to you brethren taking up which you may yourselves suggest the rest to yourselves and discover what it is to mourn over the illusions of our soul he hath received therefore the punishment of illusion he hath forfeited truth for just as illusion is the soul's punishment so is truth its reward but when we were set in the midst of these illusions the truth itself came to us and found us overwhelmed by illusions took upon itself our flesh or rather took flesh from us that is from the human race he manifested himself to the eyes of the flesh that he might by faith heal those to whom he was going to reveal the truth hereafter that truth might be manifested to the now healed eye 
that the foundation might be laid of that faith of which the truth was to be the reward for it was not himself that christ showed forth on earth but it was his flesh that he showed for had he showed himself the jews would have seen and known him but had they known him they would never have crucified the lord of glory but perhaps his disciples saw him when they said unto him show us the father and it sufficeth us and he to show that it was not himself that had been seen by them added have i been so long with you and have ye not known me philip he that seeth me seeth the father also if then they saw christ wherefore did they yet seek for the father for if it were christ whom they saw they would have seen the father also they did not therefore yet see christ who desired that the father should be shown unto them to prove that they did not yet see him he promised it by way of reward saying he who loveth me keepeth my commandments and whoso loveth me shall be loved of my father and i will love him as if it were said to him what wilt thou give unto him as thou lovest him he saith i will manifest myself unto him if then he promises this by way of a reward unto them that love him it is manifest that the vision of the truth promised to us is of such a nature that when we have seen it we shall no longer say my soul is filled with illusions 12 verse 8 i am become feeble and am bowed down greatly he who calls to mind the transcendent height of the sabbath sees how greatly he himself is bowed down for he cannot conceive what is that height of rest sees not where he is at present therefore another psalm hath said i said in my trance i am cast out of the sight of thine eyes for his mind being taken up thither he beheld something sublime and was not yet entirely there where what he beheld was and a kind of flash as it were if one may so speak of the eternal light having glanced upon him when he perceived that he was not yet arrived at this which he was able after a sort to understand he saw where he himself was and how he was cramped and bowed down by human infirmities and he says i said in my trance i am cast out of the sight of thine eyes such is that certain something which i saw in my trance that thence i perceive how far off i am who am not already there he was already there who said that he was caught up into the third heaven and there heard unspeakable words which it is not lawful for a man to utter but he was recalled to us in order that as requiring to be made perfect he might first mourn his infirmity and afterwards be clothed with might yet encouraged for the ministration of his office by having seen somewhat of those things he goes on saying i heard unspeakable words which it is not lawful for a man to utter now then what use is it for you to ask either of me or of any one the things which it is not lawful for man to utter if it was not lawful for him to utter them to whom is it lawful to hear them let us however lament and groan in confession let us own where we are 
let us call the sabbath to remembrance and wait with patience for what he has promised who hath in his own person also showed forth an example of patience to us i am become feeble and bowed down greatly thirteen i have roared with the groaning of my heart you observe the servants of god generally interceding with groaning and the reason of it is asked and there is nothing apparent but the groaning of some servant of god if indeed it does find its way at all to the ears of a person placed near him for there is a secret groaning which is not heard by man yet if the thought of some strong desire has taken so strong a hold of the heart that the wound of the inner man finds expression in some uttered exclamation the reason of it is asked and a man says to himself perhaps this is the cause of his groaning and perhaps this or that hath befallen him who can determine but he in whose eyes and ears be groaned therefore he says i roared with the groaning of mine heart because if men ever hear a man's groanings they for the most part hear but the groaning of the flesh they do not hear him who groans with the groaning of his heart someone hath carried off his goods he roareth but not with the groaning of his heart another because he has buried his son another his wife another because his vineyard has been injured by a hailstorm another because his cask has turned sour another because someone hath stolen his beast another because he has suffered some loss another because he fears some man who is his enemy all these roar with the groaning of the flesh the servant of god however because he roareth from the recollection of the sabbath where the kingdom of god is which flesh and blood shall not possess says i have roared with the groaning of my heart and who observed and noticed the cause of his groaning verse nine all my desire is before thee for it is not men who cannot see the heart but it is before thee that all my desire is open let your desire be before him and the father who seeth in secret shall reward thee for it is thy heart's desire that is thy prayer and if thy desire continues uninterrupted thy prayer continueth also for not without a meaning did the apostle say pray without ceasing are we to be without ceasing bending the knee prostrating the body or lifting up our hands that he says pray without ceasing or if it is in this sense that we say that we pray this i believe we cannot do without ceasing there is another inward kind of prayer without ceasing which is the desire of the heart whatever else you are doing if you do but long for that sabbath you do not cease to pray if you would never cease to pray never cease to long after it the continuance of thy longing is the continuance of thy prayer you will be ceasing to speak if you cease to long for it who are those who have ceased to speak they of whom it is said because iniquity shall abound the love of many shall wax cold the freezing of charity is the silence of the heart the burning of charity is the cry of the heart if love continues still you are still lifting up your voice 
if you are always lifting up your voice you are always longing after something if always longing for something absent you are calling the sabbath rest to remembrance and it is important you should understand too before whom the roaring of thine heart is open now then consider what sort of desires those should be that are before the eyes of god should it be the desire for the death of our enemy a thing which men flatter themselves they lawfully wish for for sometimes we pray what we ought not let us consider what they flatter themselves they pray for lawfully for they pray that some person may die and his inheritance come to them but let those two who pray for the death of their enemies hear the lord saying pray for your enemies let them not pray for this that their enemies may die but rather pray for this that they may be reclaimed then will their enemies be dead for from the time that they are reclaimed henceforth they will be enemies no longer and all my desire is before thee what if we suppose that our desire is before him and that yet that very groaning is not before him how can that be since our desire itself finds its expression in groaning therefore follows and my groaning is not hid from thee from thee indeed it is not hid but from many men it is hid the servant of god sometimes seems to be saying in humility and my groaning is not hid from thee sometimes also he seems to smile is then that longing dead in his heart if however there is the desire within there is the groaning also it does not always find its way to the ears of men but it never ceases to sound in the ears of god fifteen verse ten my heart is troubled wherefore is it troubled and my courage has failed me generally something comes upon us on a sudden the heart is troubled the earth quakes thunder is sent from heaven a formidable attack is made upon us or a horrible sound heard perhaps a lion is seen on the road the heart is troubled perhaps robbers lie in wait for us the heart is troubled we are filled with a panic fear from every quarter something excites anxiety wherefore because my courage hath failed me for what would be feared did that courage still remain unmoved whatever bad tidings were brought whatever threatened us whatever sound was heard whatever were to fall whatever appeared horrible would inspire no terror but whence that trouble my courage faileth me wherefore hath my courage failed me the light of mine eyes is also gone from me thus adam could not see the light of his eyes for the light of his eyes was god himself whom when he had offended he fled to the shade and hid himself among the trees of paradise he shrunk in alarm from the face of god and sought the shelter of the trees thenceforth among the trees he had no more the light of his eyes at which he had been wont to rejoice if therefore it was so with him as the stock and with us as the shoots of that stock and if these members are returning to him 
the last adam because the last adam was made a quickening spirit and if they cry aloud as in his body in the words of this confession the light of mine eyes is gone from me if these things be so is one now a penitent confessing his sins is he now a redeemed member of christ's body and is the light of his eyes not with him in good truth it is not with him but yet it is with them so far as they still call to remembrance the sabbath as in hope beholding it but that light whereof it is said i will manifest myself unto him is not as yet theirs something of light there is in that we are sons of god and hold this already by faith but that light which we shall see is not yet for it doth not yet appear what we shall be we do know that when he shall appear we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is for now we have the light of faith and the light of hope for as long as we are in the body we are absent from the lord for we walk by faith not by sight for so long as we hope for that which we see not we with patience wait for it these are the words of those who are absent from their home not yet settled in their country and he says rightly and truly too and truly unless he be a hypocrite does he confess also the light of mine eyes also is not with me these things man suffers within there by himself in himself and toward himself from no other person and in relation with no other person beside himself all these he hath deserved to be unto himself to his own punishment namely all that he hath enumerated above sixteen but is this all then that man suffers for he suffers inwardly from himself outwardly from those among whom he lives he suffers evils of his own he is compelled to suffer also evils of others whence those two sentences cleanse thou me o lord from my secret faults and from sins of others spare thy servant o lord he hath already confessed concerning his own secret faults from which he desires to be cleansed let him speak also of those others from the effects of which he desires that he may be spared verse eleven my lovers why should i henceforth speak of my enemies my lovers and my neighbors drew nigh and stood over against me understand this that he saith stood over against me for if they stood against me they fell against themselves my lovers and my neighbors drew nigh and stood over against me let me now recognize the words of the head speaking now let our head in his passion begin to dawn upon us yet again when the head begins to speak do not sever the body from it if the head would not separate itself from the words of the body should the body dare to sever itself from the sufferings of the head do thou suffer in christ's suffering for christ as it were sinned in thy infirmity for just now he spoke of thy sins as if speaking in his own person and called them his own for he said from the face of my sins though they were not his sins as therefore he willed our sins should be his own on account of our being his body 
let us also regard his sufferings as our own on account of his being our head for he hath not suffered the enmity of those who were before friends and we not suffered it also nay rather let us prepare ourselves against this to be entertained after the same manner let us not reject a cup like his that by the way of his humility we may arrive at his exaltation for to those who wish to be near his exaltation yet thought not of his humility he answered and said to them can ye drink of the cup that i shall drink of those sufferings of the lord then are our sufferings also and were each individual to serve god well to keep faith truly to render to each their dues and to conduct himself honestly among men i should like to see if he does not suffer even that which christ here details in the account of his passion my lovers and my neighbors drew nigh and stood over against me and my neighbors stood afar off who were the neighbors that drew nigh and who were those who stood afar off the jews were neighbors because near kinsmen they drew near even when they crucified him the apostles also were his neighbors and they also stood afar off that they might not have to suffer with him this may also be understood thus my friends that is who feigned themselves my friends for they feigned themselves his friends when they said we know that thou teachest the way of god in truth when they wished to try him whether tribute ought to be paid to caesar when he convinced them out of their own mouth they wished to seem to be his friends but he needed not that any should testify of man for he himself knew what was in man so that when they spoke unto him words of friendship he answered them why tempt ye me ye hypocrites my friends and my neighbors then drew near and stood over against me and my neighbors stood afar off you understand what i said i called those neighbors who drew nigh and at the same time stood afar off for they drew nigh in the body but stood afar off in their heart who were in the body so near to him as to those who lifted him on the cross who in heart so far off as those who blasphemed him here this sort of distance described by the prophet isaiah observe this nearness and distance at one and the same time this people dishonors me with their lips behold with their body they draw near but their heart is far from me the same persons are at the same time near and afar off also with their lips they are near in heart afar off however because the apostles also stood afar off through fear we understand it more simply and properly of them so that we mean by it that some drew near and others stood afar off since even peter who had followed more boldly than the rest was still so far off that being questioned and alarmed he thrice denied the lord with whom he had promised to be ready to die who afterwards that from being afar off he might be made to draw nigh heard after the resurrection of the question lovest thou me and said i love thee and by so saying who brought nigh even as by denying him he had become far off 
till with the threefold confession of love he had put away from him his threefold denial and my neighbors stood afar off 